Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are tuned to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza, and if the social media outlets didn't have copyright strikes, I would sing a superhero anthem for our guest today, because if you're like me and most people, we are in the time of late uh, memorial day weekend and it's about to start the summer and we should be ready for the summer but other things happened in the world wink wink and so people it feels like we're doing a reset from new year's eve <laughs> so it might be a time to, to brush off those resolutions and my guest is a perfect person to talk to about that so she's gonna add, we're gonna ask can it be true that push-ups you know that exercise we used to do in gym class does it have more to offer than you might imagine? Our research-based upper body fitness expert, Kristen Carter, is our guide, and we'll learn why this free exercise could likely save our life and surprisingly is a more accurate way to assess cardiovascular health than usual treadmill tests. Treadmill tests is better than a treadmill. Are we going to burn this podcast in effigy? I hope not. We want to hear from our expert first, see what she has to say about that. Let's welcome Kristen Carter to the podcast. Welcome, Kristen. Hey, hi, Hamza. Yes. Glad to be uh, here. Glad you could. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So uh, did you like that? I I would have sang for you, but, you know, I didn't want to get a copyright strike for you. That was wonderful, yeah. And so, yeah, does it feel that way? Uh, we're going to go through your credentials and all that good stuff. Uh, but does it feel to you like we are having a reset, at least here in the States, where New Year's Eve we have our resolutions of losing weight and, and hitting that, making that perfect body, and then life gets in a way, like usual, and now we find ourselves six months into the year and we have to start from scratch. Are you feeling that? Um, yes, and uh, even more so than usual. I mean, I, uh, having worked in a lot of different settings, I noticed that people, you know, by March or so, they, they've fallen off the wagon, a lot of them. Um, and, but this time, we also have the complication of staying at home so much, and apparently there has been an uptick in the sale of junk food. Hmm. And people are wondering how to keep their fitness up. Let's say somebody has already been, you know, going to the gym regularly or they've had a trainer or whatever. Suddenly they're at home and they had to figure out something else. So a lot of people are kind of, like you said, resetting and scratching their heads. Um, and sometimes it ain't pretty. I mean, we have to try extra hard now, I think, to not yeah. fall off the wagon. Absolutely. Yeah, because also we're all stressed out too. There's that. Oh, oh, of course. And this this podcast is not sponsored by any junk food companies, but I have to give a shout out to the good <laughs> folks in Galveston, Texas, since they had their big beach weekend. A lot of people got arrested and shot. Stay safe, everybody in Galveston. But they look like they had more junk food and they weren't ready for the beach. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, um, and that's a problem because I could talk about junk food for a while, which which um, actually leads to metabolic disturbances, and it leads to more junk food. And as we probably know, that a lot of junk food is is engineered to make us want more of it. So it's not very satisfying. But on top of that, they love you know the salt, sugar, and fat inside of there. Um, plus, they engineer crunchiness. They engineer interest. They really work hard at this. So we end up doing this, and it, it feels right, especially right now, it feels like comfort food. <laughs> um, even at the best of times, you know, it's, it's really hard to resist that stuff um, unless you make it a personal policy not to eat that those things. <laughs> um, and I don't know this right. young gentleman at all, but I think he's indicative of a lot of people, at least in March, when people were using their hand to swipe along the grocery aisle to put everything into their grocery carts. 
You know, there mm-hmm. were this mm-hmm. one person that I'm thinking about probably had six or seven cartons of half gallons of ice cream. And, you know, oh. they may not have done that in regular circumstances, but like you said, it's a, it's a comfort food. And I don't, we're going to go to the push-ups and, and the exercise and all that good stuff, but we talked about junk food and, it, and the engineering to make us want more. Uh, is it be, in the high area of stress that we've been in, is this one of the unfortunate winners, the uh, junk food industry, of uh, what's happening? Yeah, I quite agree. And I've heard uh, the ice cream thing from more than one person. So, you know, they're kind of, I hate to say, you know, using this as a, oh, well, I may as well just do what I need to at home here um, and eat some ice cream as a treat because how many chances am I going to get later on or, or, you know, sometimes that's the thinking. Um, Instead of thinking, well, how can I come out of this on the other side um, healthier? Mm Because there's plenty of time here. I mean, I know a lot of people have lost their jobs and there's all kinds of things going on with that, which, you know, I sympathize with. Um, But we also have more time on our hands. And a lot of people are are taking up projects, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, clean garage, uh, get to those books on the shelf, whatever it is that have been sitting around for ages. I know some people have learned how to knit. (laughs) 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 And, uh, Maybe they're, you know, taking up carpentry a little bit. Um, So why not, you know, also take up a project of just changing a few health habits so that going forward, you know, you don't have to go crazy. Um, You don't have to start a whole new diet and do all that stuff, but just say, for instance, you could look at your grocery list and and list your family, and now it's even – um, we're kind of more uh, digging down into it because you kind of have to make your list and get to the store and get out. <laughs> There's no wandering around aimlessly going, oh, but um, you can look at that list. It's right there in front of you and go, now, how can I switch out a few things on here that would be healthier? Mm-hmm. Just a few, you know, like, okay, look, I'm going to get rid of the ice cream, really, because that's, that's like something the fire department needs to come for to rescue me from. <laughs> 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 um, or, you know, okay, maybe you could buy a pint instead of, you know, a gallon um, and put it on your calendar. Say, okay, Saturday I get to have ice cream, you know. Um, and, you know, we're... As an aside, you know, we aren't watching sports <laughs> um, so much. So, so there is at least not that sort of habitual sit in front of the TV, uh, watching sports, drinking a beer and having snacks and stuff. However, you know, there's still Netflix and all that stuff. But um, so I think that you can even just that one thing of taking a real look at what you're bringing into the house. And just say, well, you know, and and do I really want to end up consuming all this stuff? And uh, and then I guess a lot of people don't really know that it messes up their metabolism, makes them want more, and it makes them gain weight and all those things. But just um, in terms of wanting to put good things into your body all the time, Mm -hmm. like, if you just want to think of it that way, you want to eat things that are real food and you, not the other stuff. Keep the other stuff really, to a minimum. You make up a, a really good point, Kristen, or a couple of good points, one of which uh, I want to talk about where you are in the U.S. I'm here outside of Atlanta, and at least the month of March, it was difficult to get in the stores and so to go shopping at the mm-hmm. grocery store. And so there was this right. huge push to order online and and get your food that way, and that way they'll you know deliver it to you in the parking lot. And it may have been the first time that you really look at the grocery list. Not saying people don't look at it usually, but it seems more so that the the junk food that 
winds up in the cart is more of an impulse buy. We're going past the Brussels sprouts, but we're going to pass the Chiefs puffs on the way to get there. <laughs> Indeed. And I'll, I'll tell you another trick that I used to do with my family, since we're all home with families or, you know, with other people, maybe, probably, we hope. Um, and that would be, I take, you know, I used to take the things I brought in the house that were snack foods, you know, they were clearly processed foods. They came in a box. They came in a bag. Um, I would put them in one cabinet, and the cabinet was called the junk food cabinet. So that there's just a little bit of awareness of, oh, yeah, that's junk food. You know, like, it, it's not real food. <laughs> I'm not actually eating, you know, anything that's good for me by, by reaching for this. Maybe it's fun, but just just a little bit of a hint there that, Maybe you can think twice about grabbing that mm-hmm. because you see it for what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. That's a really And both really of my kids trick. turned out to be, you know, they're, they're trim. They they have good eating habits. And they know the difference between junk and real food. I mean, it's important just to – it's such a simple delineation to make for your family um, that you can – put into them. You, know, you don't have to go crazy with like keto or paleo or this or that. Just look. You know, is this real food or isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you make up a really good point about your kids and you, you said that, um, or what I got from that was it takes a really strong foundation as a child or teenager and then as an adult you'll use what you've learned as a, a child and you'll bring that forward. However, you are the author of Lose Weight, Exercise More. I don't think so. So is, <laughs> is there any hope for those that didn't grow up that way? Can, can we be saved? Uh, can we be saved? <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I would, you know, of course, would have to say yes. <laughs> um, the book that I wrote is for people who think they can't be saved. And um, also it was written for people who have been to the doctor and their doctor has said, look, you know, you need to lose weight and exercise more for your health. I mean, you just do. Um, but, of course, they don't have time to tell you much more than that. They might say go see a registered dietitian. But the, my book here kind of explains why it's so difficult to want to do that, to kind of move move the needle, as it were. Um, it's a lot more complicated than just going on a diet. Um, it's, you know, it's about habit change and behavior change and changing how you think about food, which is a lot. You know, it's a lot on, you know, on your plate, so to speak, in order to be able to pull this off. Um, it's not like a habit where, say, for instance, you're pulling out of your driveway and there's some construction that's been going on for a couple of months on the, on the left. And so you have to remember that you can only go to the right out of your driveway. And you probably take one or two times before you get that habit. I'm always going to go right out of my driveway. But the... The whole thing of eating and exercise and habits and behavior is so much more complex. And I've done a lot of research on this, and the, the outside number for a habit change is not 21 days or 60 days. It's 254 days. Mm. So you're talking about the better part of a year <laughs> um, <laughs> and probably longer. Um, to really, to really nail this. Um, mm. So, you know, the thing is that, so in my um, career, <laughs> my 25-year career uh, in fitness, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and heard a lot of excuses. And, and um, the thing is that people have, and I always ask them this, so what is your experience with exercise? How was it with you growing up? Did you like it? Was it easy to find? 
were your parents role modeling that? Did you get injured and decide you didn't like it? Were you always last pick, you know, the last pick in gym class? I mean, so many of those things come into our minds and, and form our attitudes about exercise. And then I would put it to you, I don't really know about this, but I'm thinking that losing weight is even more fraught with, with those types of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you because you've got society, you've got your environment, you've got your parents, you've got even the school you went to, you've got the environment you had, you've got what you learned about food when you were growing up. You got, you know, what was it? Was it for used for family get-togethers? And maybe those get-togethers weren't all that pleasant, but that's that was the way you connected. Mm. Um, all those are relaying things, and on top of that, you have physiology that happens. Um, you know, you eat certain things, and your your metabolism gets thrown off, as I already talked about with the junk food. Um, if you eat too many penny sweets, um, those things can cause systemic inflammation, and then that goes to your brain, and your brain loses its ability to regulate your hunger. And, you know, to tell you when you're hungry and when you're not and when you're full and when you're not. So that's a problem. (laughs) It is a problem. Yeah. So, you know, if people can be aware of these things, I think think it can really help them realize, like, well, you know, no wonder I tried 10 diets and they all fail. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not really my fault. It's just that. There's so much I didn't know about why that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a lot of behavior and habit and psychology involved. Now, yeah. every, now they're calling it mindset these days. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I try to just start out with a book by saying, you know, it's not your fault. Like, the, it's, it's uh, tough to change a habit. It's tough to even change a, a little one. Never mind a big one a big complex one. Um, so I think you can, part of that is just kind of giving your, cutting yourself some slack mm-hmm. and going, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, so that's part of the, the thing there. Um, and then I move on to say, uh, you know, since it's so difficult to do that, um, all, there's and all the things that go into how you decide to do that. Say so some things happen and you think, okay, that's, you know, I'm going to really do it this time. You have all these things going on, like your self-image, how you make decisions, how you tackle solutions, what your attitudes are about diet and exercise, um, how you think about challenges, how you go about planning to make a change, and how you feel about it. And there's so much stuff that goes into it um, that you really need to take into consideration and, and talk to yourself about. And then, you know, of course, in my biz, you get a coach, <laughs> which helps. Um, because if you, if you get, say, a health coach or a life coach or um, uh, even I'm, I was a personal trainer, exercise physiologist for a long time, um, you can get trained. A, a good coach can be trained to ask you the right questions at the mm-hmm. right time. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have to come up with it all by yourself. Um, you can get some help with it. Um, some ways of moving your thoughts in a different direction. And then and then <laughs> um, you just move toward healthier habits and healthier eating. And so, there so you know, much. The other part in the book is, you know, the other part in the book is you've got to go slow. Mm-hmm. You know, just research has shown 
time and time and time again that if you do something quickly, it's not going to stick. If you just go, okay, so I'm going to, okay, here's a hard one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go for a pint of ice cream instead of a gallon, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I'm just going to practice that. I'm going to practice it. Um, and I'm going to realize that I'm not going to fall apart and I'm not going to get stressed out and it's not going to, you know, affect my life in a big way to make that change. And then you move on to something else. Um, I get into trouble because um, I tell people, you know, just don't eat dessert. (laughs) Sometimes when I... I say that to people that give me this look like you're asking me to like jump off a cliff. (laughs) 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 It's really, it's tough though. I go, okay. Um, Have, you can either like have half a portion of dessert. I know some people can't do that. They, they just really can't. Uh, There's food addiction and all that stuff. Cut back on the portion or, go every other night with dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, you know, the way we are these days, you know, and they keep saying how bad sugar is for us, and which it is, um, but we don't exercise enough, most of us don't exercise enough to work off dessert. Mm-hmm. We don't need the calories. Now, it's one thing if you're Mike Phelps or, you know, somebody, you can probably do a few desserts and get away with it. But a lot of us really have to be careful. And dessert is something that's expendable because most of the time it's not even healthy food. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so you you put in there, you know, okay, fruit, great, good stuff. <laughs> um but for the most part, it really isn't healthy food. And if you want to be nourishing yourself, you can cut that out, you know, and, and because you don't need it. There's nothing, you know, hardly anything in there that you need, and there's probably a bunch of things in there that you don't need. Mm-hmm. You, you make me think of, of, of a colleague of mine. Her, her son was having behavioral problems in school as, you know, uh, first or second grade, and ultimately she found out he had a gluten, he was allergic to gluten, right? He had a gluten allergy. And gluten intolerance, she, okay. Gluten intolerance, thank you. And ultimately she found this app, and the app would locate restaurants. She traveled a lot, so whenever they would go throughout the country, this app would indicate you know, places that were okay for the child to eat, and once he had gotten a lot of gluten out of his system, the behavioral problems went away and such. And mm. what the reason why I bring it up is I wanted to know in your industry, you, you may see apps, and we're not going to name names, but there are some restaurants that don't, when, you, when you're fed their food, you're, you're not given a, a, a fork and a spoon. You're given a shovel. So are there... <laughs> are there <laughs> You know, you're talking about, I mean, I think that you can't even say the word portion in those places. So is, 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 is there an yeah. app that would say, you know, these are, these are healthier type places and you can kind of avoid the others? Oh, man, I wish, I, I wish there was. I don't know of one, but, you know, maybe you and I should start one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, of course. You know, it's different now. Nobody's going to restaurants, but, they, you know, they're doing the takeout thing. But, um, yeah, you're right. Um, the the best we can do, you know, is to try to wear, raise awareness with that. And, you know, they are putting the calorie counts on the menus a lot of places now and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still don't. Well, some of them do. Some of them indicate the, the fat content, but I think that's pretty rare, the fat and the sodium and things like that. I mean, um, from what I understand, most restaurants serve up food that's 30% higher in fat than you would get at home, mm-hmm. you know, if you cooked your own meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly sodium is in there because so, they want it to taste good. I mean, they want you to come back. Mm-hmm. Um 
so that you know you're right that's that's a problem the the portions uh, and I'm not sure how that happened. I mean people feel like they're getting more for their money. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the psychology of it mm-hmm. um, i don't I don't really know you know that would be interesting to find out i mean i don't and I don't know if perhaps it started with the fast food places. Um, you know, the extra Coke, the jumbo this, the, uh, you know, supersize this. And, mm-hmm. um, and then people came to expect, you know, 32 ounce Coke <laughs> and thinking, right. oh, wow, what a great deal, you know, right. <laughs> and paid blah, blah, blah for this. Um, when in fact it's, it's hurting more than it's helping. Um, yeah. When you say awareness, it also, and I'm not going to name the restaurant cause it's too obvious, but. There, there was a push. <laughs> too obvious. The one but, I'm thinking of is, yeah, anyway. There was a push a couple of years ago to have a healthier menu. And they did, and this is one of the places you would never think. I mean, it's a total greasy spoon. But they took all that stuff off the menu because it was affecting their bottom line. They weren't making as much. And so they kind of oh. went back and start serving what they were known for. And profits went back up, and and I wonder because a lot of this, as you said, is is mindset. And so is it? Uh, well, you didn't have it on the menu, so I'm just going to go back to what I'm familiar with. And is that is that all mindset, or you, you know, we're kind of giving up our power to others to dictate what we should ingest? All right. I mean, that's called adjusting the environment, you know, mm-hmm. which uh, which is. You know, part of the ways, to, it's a big way to change habits and behavior. Um, you make things more convenient. You make things um, uh, more accessible. You eliminate certain options. And pretty soon, you know, people are doing something else, and they don't even realize it. Mm. I mean, that, that goes on in business, in the business world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's partly what's happening with um, adjusting your your food uh, at home. You know, what are the groceries you're bringing in? How available is it to everybody? What what are the messages you're giving with like, you know, here's what you're supposed to eat or here's what you're not supposed to eat. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so... Yeah, but I want to just throw in something else. So right now, I think, um, and I'm struggling this with this myself, is that because um, we're told not to go to the store very often. Mm-hmm. So I'm relying less and less on fresh foods that I mm. really enjoy because, I, you know, I was only supposed to go every 10 days or two weeks and I run out of those things. And, you know, then I'm eating frozen food and, you know, that stuff's okay, but um, I can see where you could be tempted to just eat things that you really like to eat, like ice cream, um, <laughs> because it's difficult, you know, for the storage issue is, is something else. Um, mm. There's that, yeah. And, of course, you know, if you live in the city and you can't get to a grocery store, and you know, there's a whole other sociological discussion we could have about environment and access to fresh foods and things like that. So there are a lot of organizations that are trying to help people um, help get fresh markets more available in inner cities, for instance, things like that. Um, That that leads me to the the next question. With with exercise. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Yeah, because, you know, there, I don't know where it had, where the origin of this is, but uh, there was a place that used to be called Whole Check, but then when Amazon <laughs> bought them, <laughs> yeah. right, their prices went down, and most people, like you were saying, if, if they're in a food desert or not, uh, there is a or there is a, a thought process that eating healthy costs more, and so mm-hmm. they would tend to buy, you know, the junk food or food that does not have the nutrition of regular food. Is that a myth or 
are you seeing that outside Colorado as well? No, I think, I happen to think it's a myth, because if you check the prices of fast food lately, <laughs> mm. um, it's not cheap. It really isn't. You can do much better by eating, by buying fresh produce and, say, making a stir fry or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you have the issue of time and, and uh, maybe expertise, <laughs> as you want to put it, uh, knowing how to do that. But I don't. I do not think that fast food is particularly cheaper now. Okay, um, yeah, for instance, let's say you buy a bag of um, Doritos. Let's see, how do, how do we think that's $3, $4? Mm-hmm. Something like that, and I guess people figure, well, you know, that fills me up. I, I like the salt, you know, I like the crunchy. But you could spend that $4 and get a fair number of vegetables. Mm. You could. Now, you know, sometimes getting people to eat vegetables is a hard sell. I mean, I, I, I get it. Um, but, but again, I think it's the more awareness we can bring to it, I think the better um, things will be. And I do, I have read or heard somewhere that people are eating more vegetables than they used to. Uh-huh. Um, so because, I mean, literally you open up any magazine, well, most magazines that have any uh, integrity to them, <laughs> um, and it's, the bottom line is the same. If you read about diet or exercise, it's always the same. <laughs> Eat more vegetables, legumes, fresh fruit, uh, limit your starches and sugars and baked goods, um, and use... Uh, healthy oils, like olive oil, limit Uh your saturated fat. You see that every single time. So, you know, gosh, maybe they're right. (laughs) I think, you know, the more we keep hammering it, you know, the the better it will be. Sure. Um, I see it everywhere. And, um... I could talk about when you don't see it. I mean, what's, there's that too. And you now, sometimes when, so I just had an event where I was talking to a lot of media folks. And I'm like, well, um, <laughs> I had to tread lightly because sometimes the media they put out they put out these crazy, you know, this stuff like just eat these two foods to live longer, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I have to say that drives me nuts. And, and um, you know, some people go, well, okay, it's sort of like drinking a diet soda with a chocolate cake. Like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever, but as long as I have my turmeric or whatever it is, um, mm. I'll be okay. Uh, so that, that kind of thing sort of smacks of magic bullet, you know, yeah. more than smacks of magic bullet, which is just, there is no magic bullet ever, ever. Yeah. You know, as I talked about before, with how complex it is to eat right and get on the wagon and, and say you haven't had a background of healthy eating and things. It's a really long process to change some of that. Yeah. Um, I must say that so, really struck a chord, Kristen. <laughs> because for, oh, really? Yeah, because not not so much today, but, you know, once upon a time, a friend of mine, wink, wink, right? Um, I I will say, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of it to, you know, people that do have other uh, addictions and such, but I I had ice cream for a very long time and I don't anymore, but I would, I would feel better if I had like turmeric tea afterward. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 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 <laughs> I know the error of my ways now, but <laughs> that struck a chord when you said that. I was like, does she know me? Did somebody tell her the cliff notes about me? <laughs> oh, no. Wow, well, how about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not necessarily into doing a lot of those things, but, and recently I read, like, if you add pepper to it, the turmeric tea, you have to do mm-hmm. it, it um, 
it uh, potentiates it a thousand times or something. The the effects that you get, the, the anti-inflammatory effects you get from turmeric. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to do that? I mean, how how long is that going to last? I mean, yeah. How long did it last when you did that? <laughs> I probably did it like six months, and I don't know. I got a tap on the shoulder, like, "What are you doing?" You know, it, it, <laughs> uh-huh, you, uh-huh. I could serve both, right? I, I felt horrible after, you know, and there may be a time I may go back to ice cream, who knows, but I know I feel uh-huh. better that I'm not, I mean, I was, I used to work at an ice cream store in high school. And so Ooh. the family wouldn't let me in the house if I didn't bring a, a gallon home. So <laughs> I'm not blaming oh. them at all, but I'm just right. saying, right? yeah. I know. So Yeah. Well, you, on another note, I mean, I I knew people who they they had they made their own ice cream, and mm-hmm. they had it every night. And yeah. um, they the the couple in question both had heart you know heart disease big time. Um, but you know, I can I can hear people thinking like these folks lasted until they were in the in their eighties. So you might want to say, well, why not? You know, because some people do survive that kind of thing quite nicely. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Others don't. <laughs> so it's, the whole thing is extremely tricky, as, as you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do, I do want to ask you about the other thing that I was really excited about speaking with you from a, a personal standpoint because – in 2003, I tore my left Achilles, and then mm. I was out for like eight months. And then last year, at a, at a family reunion, I guess I'm telling my age, at a family reunion, I had a slight tear in the right upper calf. And as a result, mm. before even last year, I was always afraid of another tear. And so I, mm-hmm. I was more so top-heavy in that I would do more push-ups and such, and I wouldn't focus on the legs as much. But I've never Mm -hmm. spoken with a research-based upper body fitness expert such as yourself. And Mm. what made you focus more so on the upper body, and could you talk about the benefits of doing that? Okay, sure. Um, The reason I did was because in graduate school, uh, my thesis was on arm crank ergometry. Uh, So if you don't know what that is, it's where you sit in a chair and you, you know, crank, uh, make a crank with your arms. You just go around and around and around with your arms. Um, And you can get an aerobic workout that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the, um, the tricky part is that your heart rate's going to go up much more quickly. You cannot get to your, say, personal bed. You know, you cannot get to your max um, as much doing just that, um, which isn't to say it isn't worth doing because a lot of folks, you know, say they have lower body issues, you know, and want to get some aerobic training. It's definitely worth doing. Mm. Um, but... I would say that, so there's a teaching moment here. So if you're, if you're, um, if you're doing your aerobics using your lower body, then I'll get to the strength training in a minute. Um, uh, the, your, your legs are propelling you and there is creating a pump. Um, as you know, your blood comes pumping back up to your heart. And when your legs are moving, that that works really well and gets back up to your heart and your heart, you know, will increase and get more efficient and um, support that activity. Now, when you're just doing upper body exercise, the pump, the, acti- the, the circulation going back to your heart isn't as much. So in order, in order to support that activity, I hope this makes sense. <laughs> in order to support that activity, your heart has to work harder. So that is why the heart rate goes up more quickly when you're just doing upper body exercise. Um, so, uh, but anyway, for, in terms of strength training, you know, the part of the deal with the, 
with the research pro, uh, paper about the push-ups um, was that uh, strength training is correlated with longevity. So, but you know, so is aerobics. But if you're if you're more muscular and stronger, you you are more likely to live longer. Mm-hmm. And that is where the angle of the research article came out saying, you know, if you do more push-ups, you're going to live longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's it's more of an indicator of your, I think, of your resilience in your upper body. So when you just do upper body exercise, it creates more pressure in your torso, right, in your chest. Um, and so that can lead to higher blood pressure more quickly in in some people. Um, say the classic of somebody who's kind of out of shape goes out to shovel snow and has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it, it's just a more vulnerable, you're more vulnerable at that point for doing right. upper body exercise. Um, now, as far as you're concerned, <laughs> um, I'm assuming you went to physical therapy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was an after. It was so like an can... after school special, and I was like <laughs> crying at the end. It was like I can walk, and I'm all crying. They're like, just sit down. Oh. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a long road, boy. That Achilles tendon. It's a long road. Um, and of course, you you're right. You're not you're not going to want to do anything crazy uh, like, you know, to injure that again. Cause boy, you know, I go through that again. Um, yeah. But I think you can use the guidelines that your physical therapist gave you um, in the end and keep after some of those exercises, particularly ones at the end that they were letting you do right. and keep doing those. Right. And you cannot certainly, um, Probably do some biking. I would. I probably running is not the best idea, but um, mm-hmm. some lower impact, lower body activity, even walking, <laughs> um, biking. I I personally have a a machine called a Zero Runner, What's where you, it it's made by um, Octane. They so what it does is it replicates. You're running stride, mm-hmm. but you're on a, a on a couple of platforms, and there's also a knee um, joint. There's a <laughs> thing at the knee so that you can bend your knees as if you're running. So mm-hmm. it's a it, you can run, but you're not impacting your knees and your joints and stuff like that. So I had to do that because I have screws in my big toe from running for 30 years. <laughs> right. Um, and I had to stop. And, I, and it was depressing. It was hard. Um, right. For the longest time, I, you know, I still consider myself a runner. But, um, and once in a while I try to, and I realize it's not a good idea. And mm-hmm. So, right? <laughs> um, that requires some discipline. It's... it's uh, a lot of people, you know, some people go back and do stuff and get re-injured. But, you know, it's, it just depends on a lot of things. So Yeah, I'll never forget the group hug that I got at the golf course when I tore my Achilles. They were like, oh, you're not going to be a weekend warrior anymore. And so, uh, you know, there would be people that would wind up missing for months at a time because of – knee pain you know any type of knee injury or foot injury leg injury and so i was mm-hmm. like wow we're gonna, i'm gonna speak to upper body fitness expert you know and, and it's not a battle of upper <laughs> versus lower right i'm not, I'm not trying to set uh-huh. that up but it just seems that um, <laughs> you know as we get older we do we have we're more prone to injury and um and, and right. especially in this environment you can't go to the hospital for you know, weekend warrior stuff, you're not even allowed in there. So, you know, what do you do to play it safe and still be yeah, right. happy? Right, right. Well, and I would also, at this point, like to put in a plug for core training. Okay. So, you know, that's clearly so important. That it is really where you need to start with anything. 
um, and you need to be, um, if you're going to, so here's a tip for if you're working your upper body, engage your core first before you start doing that. So that protects your spine, you know, anything from back injury. Um, it also helps your posture well, on a long-term basis. Um, and you can even work your core while you're, say you're using dumbbells. Um, you can even work your core while you're, you can work one side. Say just you lift a dumbbell with your right arm. And you'd be surprised that your core has to kick in because there's more stabilizing that has to do. So there's tricky little things like that you can throw in um, to make sure your core is is uh, still in there, <laughs> still viable, alive and well. Um, and of course, there's other you know the classic planks and um, bird dogs and do you know what those things are? Right? I hope your listeners yes. do too. Yeah. Um, you know those those kind of things. Um, to keep your core alive, which is so important. And if your core is strong, it's going to make your movements of your upper body stronger and more efficient. Because if your core isn't working enough, it's actually going to shut down your muscles, um, you know, on your, in your arms, uh, for instance, so that you can't lift as much because it's mm-hmm. trying to protect you. So if you want to really go for it and start getting ripped and all that stuff, <laughs> um, but even, you know, in terms of injury and things like that, core comes first. So before you start any upper body exercise, you set your core. Yeah. Set your posture, set, set your core. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't. Um, and that's that can be, you know, Okay, here's some more. <laughs> um, <laughs> partly from um, people think, you know, they go to the gym and they're just going to use the machines. Mm-hmm. So machines don't really teach you that at all because they, they, what they do is they teach you isolation, they teach you which muscles are working, and they don't teach engaging your core before you use your upper body. Mm. So I'm, I'm not saying... Uh, machines aren't good for some people um, in many circumstances, um, but that is one of the downsides of machines. In addition to just the the regular uh, listeners, I I have to send it out to uh, the people that are putting together our high school reunion this year, because I'm sure some people are working (laughs) on their machines. (laughs) <laughs> so we can look like we did in high school and we don't all want to show up in crutches. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, those reunions are pretty interesting, I gotta admit. They really, really are. And okay, so here's the cool thing about reunions, you know? You can kinda see who's been with the program and who hasn't. I mean, who's been trying to keep on track with their health and who has let themselves go? I mean, um, yeah, you can see sort of a continuum there, I betcha. I'm so confused now, Kristen. Are you saying that we shouldn't wait until the weekend before the reunion to start working out? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about this research of uh, you had done with Harvard and male firefighters. Was that around core training? What was that research about? No, that was the push-up one. Okay. I believe, yeah, because they 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 studied they watched firefighters for ten years. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they, this is where the treadmill thing came in. So they, um, I believe they started in 2000. They found 1,000 firefighters, um, roughly around 40 years old, and they made them, they tested them how many push-ups they could do. 
And then they also gave them a treadmill test. And they followed them for 10 years to see how many cardiovascular events they had or how much and or how much heart disease they developed. And it turns out if you could do more than 40 push-ups, that group came out significantly better in terms of cardiovascular events and disease than mm-hmm. people who than the ones who could do ten or less. Mm-hmm. So that was a very you know a long term study, and then they they compared it to the treadmill results, and they found out that the the push up test was actually more predictive. Mm. So I love that. they were excited about that because yes. you know treadmill tests can be difficult to find; they're expensive. You know, you have to go to a lab. You know, it's it's kind of convoluted. Whereas a push-up test, you know, pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And then no, I love that. And you can also just, um, you know, count them yourself. <laughs> um, figure out how many you can do, and then next day do one more if you can. You know, that kind of thing. It now, makes me you know, think of. Go ahead. It makes me make, uh, think of this meme I saw a really long time ago on social media, and it was a young gentleman, and he was crying, and he had said in the meme, it said, I worked out today, but I didn't put it on social media, so I don't know if it counts or not. What? <laughs> yeah. what? And I bring it up because it, <laughs> when you, you were saying how easy it is to do push-ups, it made me think of oh. our wonderful, oh. lovely state of Florida, and they were in front of Gold's Gym, and Gold's Gym was closed, but it was more so like we can't work out if we can't go to the gym. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. That's hard. Yeah. Um, that's why, so that's why this time is such a challenge, because a lot of people are uh, dependent on an outside source for their exercise. Mm -hmm. So now they have to jump on some sort of learning curve and, and go, well, how can I do this at home? Um, What should I do? (laughs) What, you know, there, people have been buying more home equipment apparently. um, And I hope they're using it. Um, But, that brings up the, the question of, you know, if you, if you can become more autonomous with your exercise habit, meaning you've learned some things. So say you're stuck at home, you go, oh, well, okay, I, I remember I can do this, that, and this, and that, even though I'm not at the gym, um, instead of depending on going to the gym. So that, that means you've, you've integrated it into your your being, your, your, um, the information that you have, the things you can call upon within yourself to keep, to keep going. And that's mm-hmm. what they call intrinsic. Uh, there you go. Very good. Go star for Kristen. Right. Um, yeah, so there's a whole thing about, you know, where does motivation come from? And, and the more intrinsic it is, mm-hmm. um, the more likely you are to be able to keep it as a habit and keep it as a lifestyle, as opposed to, you know, relying on somebody else, to, you know, like even just joining a class or um relying on somebody else to help you through your workout is if at the same time you're learning about how your body works and, and why is this workout good for me and, and why are they doing this to me? <laughs> um, that's really huge. Yeah. So, right. Um, so, yeah. So that to me, you know, just to put it into a different context, you would say going on a diet is an extrinsic motivator. You're mm-hmm. somebody's telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and then, you know, when that's over, what have you got? 
<laughs> you probably what you probably have is that you didn't like it very much. <laughs> There's that. But you know, what have you learned? Um, have you really changed how you feel about food or how you think about food or what your priorities are there or what your long term goal is? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. You know, there's a high chance that you haven't because as evidenced by how many people are always on a diet and they never work. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, li- I like the other, the motivator that we haven't talked about that uh, many people after I bring it up can attest that over the last two months, the air has been cleaner. <laughs> We've been able to yeah. see the sky and mm-hmm. if you have to go to the gym, that's 30 minutes away in the car. So you're polluting the environment again. Ah, the footprint, the carbon yeah, footprint. Yeah, that carbon sure. footprint for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that and if we could keep with the puns, so you've been a breath of fresh air for speaking for 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 speaking this last hour because you're you're more so talking about mindset or you're talking about the psychology of health, the psychology of losing weight, the psychology of exercise. And that sounds like if you have a strong foundation, then you're more likely to change that habit. As you said, it takes 254 days. And if I'm not getting the foundation first, I may not make that 254 days. So in order to get mm-hmm. that foundation – how would I get in touch with you, and how could I buy your book? Aha. Uh-huh. Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> so I have a, a website. It's called designforfitness.com, all one word, lowercase, design for fitness. There's a ton of blogs in there. Um, I am working on uh, developing a coaching course. Um, and my book is called lose weight question mark exercise more question mark i don't think so but the don't is crossed out (laughs) so it's kristen carter exercise physiologist um and founder of design for fitness Mm -hmm. i I like that the tagline too uh what what to do when your doctor tells you to make changes to your health you know somebody may that's not a self-starter may Say, the doctor told me this, but he didn't give me any direction, so I'm just going to sit on the couch until I meet with the doctor again. And <laughs> right, hope- and then they say it again. Yeah. Right. Right. So well, hopefully originally this- I wanted to get these books into every doctor's office there is. Um, but now, of course, people aren't going to the doctor so much, so we may have to put a hold on that. But um, I feel like I, I want to give doctors an option. You know, say, look, I I don't have time to cover this with you, but, you know, here's why it's so hard, and and take a gander at this. See what Mm -hmm. you think. And it's short. I kept it short on purpose. Well, it also sounds like another podcast. (laughs) Well, yeah. That sounds like another podcast because we can talk about prevention versus treatment. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. In the industries right. that benefit from that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we could. So, <laughs> you know, I think this is probably a good start for those again that are thinking we're going to get this reset and we're reliving New Year's Eve, and we could take what we were <laughs> planning for Memorial Day as we hit the beaches and try to get mm-hmm. back to some normal life. So, right. you know, it, it was great speaking with you and learning more about that and the psychology and finding about designforfitness.com and how to get in, in touch with you uh, for your book. And I believe you do consultations as well. Is that correct? Um, I'm about to start doing consultations. Yeah, I need to set up my website for it, quite frankly. But um, long story with that, but <laughs> I won't bore you. But, yes, um, in fact, if somebody wanted to speak with me, I'd be glad to. Absolutely. 
Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza and Kristen. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Go Eagles and all that good stuff. Let's stay in touch. Uh Okay, right. (laughs) Thanks so much. Have a good one. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.